is Sam. This is Corrine, and we are two Octocs. This week's episode, we're going to be focusing on gastric adenocarcinoma. We're going to go over all the important details on some risk factors, diagnostic workup, staging, and treatment for both local regional disease and metastatic disease. So we're happy to have Sam, our GI oncologist, start us off with this episode. So Sam, what are some risk factors for gastric cancer? Historically, we think about gastric cancers um, being involved with high salt preservation food, and this was prior to refrigeration. So this may be in some old school vignettes. They may still give you those buzzwords. Now we really do think about H. pylori infections as a risk, and very, very rarely, but apparently very testable, is E-cadherin or CDH1 loss, which is associated with diffuse gastric cancer, as well as lobular carcinoma in situ of the breast. Absolutely. And I I think for some patients with a CDH1, they may even undergo prophylactic gastrectomy. I remember seeing that. You are correct. Um, And so what is the workup and evaluation for gastric adenocarcinoma? This is pretty darn extensive because we are really trying to properly stage these patients. And so we do extensive hunting for metastatic disease. And the initial workup includes an EGD to look at and biopsy the lesion, as well as an EUS, which looks at the depth of the invasion of the tumor and the regional lymph nodes. And we also get a CT chest, abdomen, pelvis with oral and IV contrast to look for metastatic disease. We get laparoscopy with cytology to evaluate for peritoneal spread when we're considering chemoradiation or surgery if, if the tumor looks like it's a T1B or higher. We sometimes get PET scans, and this is mid-thigh, skull to mid-thigh, if there's no evidence of metastatic disease seen on the CT, because 10% of METs can be missed on CT scans. And we send our biopsies. Everyone gets tested for MSI by PCR or NGS or MMR by IHC. And if someone's already diagnosed as metastatic gastric adenocarcinoma, we want to check the HER2 and PDL1 status at the very least. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I feel like this is something that comes up again and again. Even on the internal medicine residency boards, I was doing board review with some of the internal medicine residents. And the mix-up questions actually reflected testing for HER2 and PDL1 um, for gastric cancer. So make sure that you know where you're supposed to test depending on the type of cancer. And so can you tell us what are the details on gastric cancer TNM staging? Most definitely. So similar to colon cancer, the T is not the size of the tumor, but rather the depth of invasion of the tumor. So TIS or in situ is when the tumor is intraepithelial without invasion into the lamina propria. T1A is when it's invading into the lamina propria or the muscularis mucosa. T1B is when the tumor is invading into the submucosa. T2, which you guys need to commit to memory, is when the tumor is invading into the muscularis propria. T3 is when the tumor is penetrating into the subserosa tissue, and T4 is when that tumor has evaded into the serosa or adjacent organ, so it's already broken out of the stomach. Lymph node involvement, so N1 is when you have one to two regional lymph nodes affected by the cancer, N2 is when you have three to six lymph nodes affected, and N3 is when there's seven or more lymph nodes affected. M is the metastatic disease, and you guys all know this, so when that cancer has spread to another organ, it's already an M1. And so let's start talking about treatment. To start us off, how do we treat early stage TIS or T1A gastric cancers? 
So when you have TIS or T1A, so just hardly invading into the stomach, you can do endoscopic resection or surgical resection followed by endoscopic surveillance. And that is it. And then let's talk about the details on treating local regional gastric adenocarcinoma. How are these cases treated? Definitely. This is the bulk of what you guys think will be tested on. So in a fit patient where the tumor is T1B, gastric cancer, the treatment is surgery up front. In a fit patient who is T2, so into the muscularis propria or higher or any lymph node involvement, we utilize perioperative chemo. This is our preferred regimen. Technically, there is a listing of chemo radiation for this group, but it's category two in the NCCN guidelines. What got us to the perioperative chemo is a trial called the MAGIC trial. It was published in the New England Journal of Medicine in 2012. And it used a chemo regimen called ECF, epirubicin, cisplatin, and 5-FU. They gave three cycles before and after surgery and compared it to surgery alone. And what they saw is that the addition of chemo improved overall survival. A follow-up trial published in The Lancet in 2019 compared the three cycles of ECF to four cycles of a regimen called FLOT. 5-FU, leucovorin, oxaliplatin, and docetaxel. And what the results showed is that the four cycles pre-op and four cycles post-op of FLOT improved the median overall survival at five years. So right now in any patient who's T2 or higher or any lymph node involvement, the preferred regimen is perioperative four cycles of FLOT. If someone is medically fit, but their tumor is unresectable, you consider palliative chemoradiation or chemo alone. Absolutely. And I think FLOT came out when we were in fellowship. So it changed the management from ECF to the FLOT regimen. And an important thing to know also is that when you give the adjuvant FLOT, you want to give it within four to eight weeks of the surgery. Yeah. So um, how do surgical outcomes guide further adjuvant therapy in gastric cancer? Good question. So we're going to be talking about R0, R1, and R2 resections. And so if a patient has undergone an R0 resection following their four cycles of pre-op FLOT, you continue with the four additional cycles of FLOT. And if a patient received pre-op chemoradiation, then you start surveillance after surgery. If after upfront R0 surgery, so say you thought that this was a lower stage gastric cancer, but it ended up being a T2 or higher or having lymph node involvement after surgery, you can consider adjuvant chemo, which is 5-FU or capecitabine-based regimen, or chemo radiation, again, with 5-FU capecitabine. In a case where there's an R0, so microscopic disease left behind, or R0, R1, in case where there's microscopic disease left behind, or R2, where there's macroscopic disease left behind, chemoradiation can be considered if it wasn't given preoperatively. Definitely. I know in our GI tumor board, they always talked about the surgery outcomes in terms of R0, if it was complete remission, R1 microscopic, or R2 macroscopic, and that will determine the adjuvant treatments as Sam outlined. And so before we talk about treating metastatic gastric cancer, what molecular studies should we know about? So we definitely need to know the HER2 status. And so HER2 status in gastric cancers, you're known or you're identified as HER2 positive if you have an IHC of 3+, plus, or you have an IHC of 2+, plus, which is equivocal, but you have a positive FISH ratio greater than 2. And so that's the HER2 um, compared to the CEP17. And so that is positive if the ratio is greater than 2. Or if you have FISH positivity, which is, again, the ratio greater than 2. 
The second thing we need to know about is the PDL1 score. And so this is known as the combined positive score in gastric cancers or CPS. CPS is the number of PDL1 staining cells. So that's tumor cells, lymphocytes, and macrophages. It's divided by the total number of viable tumor cells and multiplied by 100. In gastric cancer, tumor is considered to express PDL1 if the CPS is greater than or equal to 1. Yeah, those are really important to know. And now that we know about HER2 and PDL1 scoring, how do we treat metastatic disease? In the frontline setting, if the gastric metastatic gastric cancer has HER2 overexpression, we treat with full FOX or 5-FU plus cisplatin, and we add on trastuzumab, so HER2-targeting drugs. This is based on the TOGA trial, which was published in the Lancet in 2010. It compared capecitabine or 5-FU plus cisplatin with or without trastuzumab in HER2 overexpressed gastric and GE junction cancers, and what the results showed is that the addition of trastuzumab led to a longer median overall survival. If the metastatic gastric cancer is HER2 negative, we utilize Fulfox plus nivolumab as long as the PDL1 CPS is greater than or equal to 5. This is based on the Checkmate 649 trial, which was published in the Lancet in 2021, so not that long ago. It compared KPOX or Fulfox plus nivolumab to ipinevo to chemo alone. And what the results showed is that the addition of nivolumab to chemotherapy improved progression-free survival and overall survival when compared to chemo alone as long as the CPS score was greater than five or more. One thing that I've mentioned is that cisplatin and oxaliplatin, they're interchangeable. We usually utilize oxaliplatin because it has a better toxicity profile. And capecitabine and 5-FU, those are also interchangeable. And when we saw this, this was based on the real two trial. So you can interchange cisplatin, oxaliplatin, 5-FU, capecitabine. We typically use oxaliplatin when we're talking platinums. Definitely. And because only a minority of patients are HER2 positive or PDL1 positive, really, Fulfox is the backbone of first line gastric cancer treatment. And so, what about treatment options in the second line setting? So in the second line setting, the one you guys will probably be tested on is ramiserumab with or without paclitaxel. This was approved based on the RAINBOW trial, which was published in the Lancet in 2014. It looked at paclitaxel with or without ramiserumab in advanced gastric cancers who had already progressed on first-line chemo, aka Fulfox. And what the results showed is that the combination had a longer median overall survival of 9.6 months compared to 7.4 months. We also have trastuzumab, druxtecan, if this is a HER2-positive gastric cancer. We have full theory with or without ramiserumab. We have single-agent docetaxel or rinotecan. We have lonsurf, and you can utilize pembrolizumab if the pdl one CPS is greater than or equal to 1, or if there's a high tumor mutational burden of 10 mutations per megabase, or if the patient is MSI high or deficient in MMR. There is also the diamond in the rough of finding an N-track fusion on NGS, in which case you can utilize entrectinib or larotrectinib. Well, that was a great overview. So what are our key takeaways for gastric cancer? So the key takeaways is having a good, robust initial workup, which will include EGD and EUS, CT chest, abdomen, pelvis with oral and IV contrast, laparoscopy with cytology, and sometimes a PET. You're really hunting for metastatic disease before you move forward with treatment plans. Every patient should be tested for MSI status or MMR status, and HER2 and PDL1 should be tested in metastatic gastric adenocarcinoma. For local regional treatment, if the tumor is in situ or T1A, you're doing endoscopic resection or surgical resection. 
If the tumor is T1B, you move forward with upfront surgery. If you have T2 or higher or any lymph node involvement, you're going to be treating with perioperative chemotherapy for cycles of FLOT. In the metastatic setting, first-line therapy, if HER2 positive, it's full FOX plus trastuzumab. If HER2 negative, but the PDL one score is greater than or equal to five, you're doing full FOX plus nivolumab. And in the subsequent line metastatic setting, you guys should definitely know about ramucirumab plus paclitaxel. We have many other lines of therapy, but I think ramucirumab plus paclitaxel is what you guys should be tested on. Well, great overview. And as always, thank you for listening. Good luck with studying. Please feel free to reach out to us with corrections or comments on our Instagram or Twitter to OncDocs. And if you're enjoying these episodes, please feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you.